Welcome to the Real Pill Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Mark Salcedo. Do I sound weird? I don't know. Um, hold up. I think you got the volumes kind of weird. I think you're good. Am I good? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was my microphone from when I was fixing the, the rubber band. No, no, I think you're good. You're good. Yeah, we got the volumes. We got it good. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is what we should be doing beforehand, but you know. Hey. Why not? I have a thinker for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why is it that a dog sleeping in the sun is so beautiful? Why? I don't know. I was asking you. <laughs> like, why, Mark? Why? Why? All right. Confession time. When a dog sleeps in the sun, I don't think it's beautiful. I think it's just lazy. <laughs> when I think of, when I see a cat sleep in the sun, I'm like, aww. <laughs> <laughs> That's no lie. I know. I am a dog. I'm a dog and cat person. I'm, I'm not. I don't pick one or the other. I, I have definitely gotten you to the dark I side. I know. I know. Before I was like all about just like a dog person, and then you're just like you and you and a buddy of ours, uh, Sylvia. I was like, no, you should totally get a cat. Here, cat meme, cat I, meme, cat I know, video. I know. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. And then well, I, look <laughs> at this video of someone brushing the cat's teeth and its face is like, oh my God. I know. Then the nail on the head, the nail on the head is a roommate just being like, oh, here's a kitten. Okay. I guess, I guess I'll take this responsibility. Thanks. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal. That's two E's in real. Um, you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Our, our email does work. We have been emailed there before. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like to get reviews on iTunes so that we can get noticed more. Um, this week we're doing the news, our recent review of... Uh, oh shit! <laughs> I didn't update. Our recent review is Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> I didn't update docket. Our obscene and obscure, which is a new segment. Um, we watched a movie called Ricky O, or the story of Ricky. Yeah, this isn't. Um, I know this may sound kind of familiar, like a what the fuck did we just watch? But what the fuck we just watch is more just like a general sense of like what the hell did we just watch? And I think, I believe this obscure and uh, obscene and obscure obscene and obscure segment that we've now created is more like we, we comb through like the sludge of like weird cinema and like, what? Like stuff that's not just bad, mm. but like it could have a cult following if enough people knew about it. Mm-hmm. Just um, like the cultiest of the cultiest. Yeah. Um and our geriatric cinematic this week is going to be Before Sunrise. Yes, the... Uh, Richard Linklater. Yes, the 1995 film starring Ethan Hawke and... What is Julia that? Delpy. Julia Delpy. There you go. That's the actress. I pulled that out of my ass because, oh, shit. you know, I kind of have a crush on her. Really? A okay. little bit. Whoa. Because of her... Um, I think it's because of her voice and her accent, too. Oh, gotcha. Like, I don't know. Um, so do you want to kick off with the news? Before that, let me just remind everybody what the topic is. Oh, yeah. Whoops. (laughs) I know. Uh, The topic this week is beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? Hmm. Question mark. 
Yeah. Question mark. Question mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're not prepared today. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> we have fun. That's the point of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, the news. Um, so, what's been going on in the news for this week? Um, Marvel's reboot of Blade... Um, has found this writer, and it's Stacey Osea Kufar. I think that's how you say her name. Um, she was the one who did uh, several episodes for the Watchmen series, the HBO uh, series that fucking critically acclaimed. Uh, we did a segment covering the uh, the mini series that we were just like gobsmacked about and everything. Um, so uh, it apparently. Uh, Marvel had spent about six months, the last six months, trying to get the right writer. Um, and thanks to Mahersha Ali, uh, he helped bring her on board. I guess he has, he's, has, he's having more of an input in what's going on in this Blade reboot, which I'm totally looking forward to. I can't wait for this movie to come out. Um, it, it has been reported that they were only looking for black, only for black writers uh, were seriously considered. Mm-hmm. for this movie which i think is great you know um i don't remember who wrote the the wesley snipes blade film i wouldn't be surprised if it was a white guy yeah um but the character of blade is you know he's 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 black you know there's a lot of like undertones between him being half human half vampire and a kind of things that act has a lot to do with like race relations and stuff like that so i think it's awesome that they're just like no we just like want like blacks, black writers are like the one we really want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, what's the game? Uh, Shang Chi and the 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 Shang Chi film that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Asian writers or the uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, female writers. Yeah, female and like Indian or Pakistani writers mm-hmm. are going to be working on that show. Uh, Osea Kufar. Um, she is a writer, like I said earlier, and she's actually an actress. She appeared in the Hulu series Pen Fifteen. Where it actually looks like penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, she's had credits uh, for Watchmen series, Amazon, The Hunters, or Hunters. I'm not a big fan of that show. I didn't watch it. I could, I like watched like the first five episodes to to be reviewed because that's what um, Amazon had gave me to to look over and give a review for, mm-hmm. and I was just not digging it. Yeah. Um, what else has she's worked on? Uh, oh, she was on the series Run, which I heard was really good. But unfortunately, that was canceled. So just hearing about it didn't help. It. <laughs> um, yeah. So what happened was that um, I'm trying to see who found this. Which are, oh, okay. So um, I can't find the source of this quote or who said this, but uh, I guess a quote from somebody from Marvel had said uh, the studio has spent the last six months meeting with writers and what was described as a meticulous search with Ali directly involved. Only black writers were seriously considered a reflection of Marvel's focus on diversity and making representation a key factor, especially when tackling non-white characters. So I think that's all. That Marvel, it's going the right direction. Yeah. Like, totally going the right direction. So I'm, I'm I, like, I'm, I'm like, as soon as like I heard they were going to do a Blade reboot, I was like, I'm in. And they were like, oh, you know, we're just going to get two-time Oscar winner, you know, Marsha Ali to play the the titular character. I'm in. <laughs> well, also kind of makes you know that, like, if they ever have a movie with a character that's LGBT, mm-hmm. that they're going to find 
you know it's going to be intentional, not like, oh, mm. that person is, is he or isn't he or oh, she or yeah. whatever. Somebody who's like really in the community who has like their like right. pulse in that whole area. Yeah, yeah. you know it's intentional if they put writers on it that are also of that that yeah. world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Um, Kelsey, you used to watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Yeah. Did you know in the entire run of that series, the writer's room is all white people? I think I did read that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. that That's a shocking thing because that's like a predominantly black TV show. And it's filled with white writers from what I heard. Um, I know Will Smith was one of them. Oh, I can't remember who also was involved. But somebody else was also involved in that room. I, I think it was like several of the other actors and actresses on that show. They would get scripts and, they, you know, and like the next day or before they're going to shoot. And they'd be like... Yeah, in the black home, this would not pass. Yeah. Like, straight up. And they would have to, like, rewrite, like, some of the episodes, like, the day of. Well, that's why it works. Like, it's stupid. They were all white people. But mm-hmm. at least they didn't say, no, you have to do it this way. Yeah, I know. And that, that's how the thing was in Hollywood. They were like, oh, white writer. I mean, a white writer on this, like, minority, like, lead film, whatever. You know, they wouldn't care. But now, I mean, it's a different time. So, But, the, but you have to think, like, Martin exists around that time, didn't it? Yeah. But both. that wasn't all white people, was it? Uh, I, I don't, don't know. So. I know Martin Lawrence had a lot of influence in that writer's Because it was room. his show. Yeah. Hmm. So what else is going on? Um, damn it. <laughs> you lost your place? No. Damn it, because the first thing i got to say is his name. <laughs> oh, Chitawa Ejiofor? Chitawatel Ejiofor. Yeah. To star in the Man Who Fell to Earth series at Paramount. Um, Mark is a huge... David Bowie fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only recently been turned on to him, like, mm-hmm. especially in, in film. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he's not with us anymore. And so, um, the Oscar nominated 12 Years a Slave actor um, has been tapped to be the lead of, um, of that film. And it's basically a series, right? So it's, yeah. it's based on the novel um, and the the 1976 film starring Bowie. So yeah. um, Alex Kurtzman and Jenny Lumet, um, they co-wrote and executive produced it. Um, and of course, you know the story about it. Um, let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to find, like, I'm sorry, my brain's fuzzy. That's okay. Chiwetel Ejiofor's stage and film career are staggering in their bravery, commitment, and quality, said Kurtzman and Lume. Mm. Um, he is everything we could imagine and a million things we can't. We couldn't be more thrilled. Mm. So, obviously, if it's 12 Years a Slave, is it a black guy? 12 Years a Slave? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chiwetel Ejiofor is black. I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just asking. I didn't watch that movie. Oh, but you know who Chiwetel Ejiofor is, right? Nope. Oh shit! I, 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 oh yeah, you do. Uh, the bad guy from Doctor Strange. Blank. <laughs> and I know you watched it because I watched it. I watched it with you mm-hmm. and took a nap because mm-hmm. it was my second time. <laughs> it's been a few years since we've seen it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Edge of Four is a black actor. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought you at least knew that. <laughs> um yeah, I think it's cool that they got I I think it's cool that they uh, they have him to play the lead role that um that when you if you ever think of the man who fell 
the man who fell to earth, it's you automatically David Bowie pops in your head. So yeah. I think I think it's so cool that they got the, they got him to to play the the title role on the main character. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this guy's probably a huge nerd. Jitawa it's a whore? Mm-hmm. He's a he's a thespian actor. But know. a nerd maybe. Yeah, pro- he could be a thespian actor and a nerd. Yeah, probably. He's British as fuck. He's got a thick-ass British accent. Oh, well, that's even worse, because there's oh, lots of God. British nerds. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are a lot of British nerds. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me, I'm going to find... Uh, I'm going to try to name off some movies with the guy and see if like, <laughs> any of this... Because he's been, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Ah. A bunch of stuff. All right, let me find the news. Like, I need to be... Okay, so you've never seen 12 Years a Slave. No. Okay, funny story with 12 Years a Slave. I saw that movie in a predominantly white neighborhood, and when I walked out of the theater, I was like, I'm going to punch the next white person I see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so, oh, did you ever see The Old Guard? No. Wait, wait, wait. Charlize Theron. Yeah. Okay. The the journalist. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I can't can't place it. He doesn't have a memorable face, if I'm going to be honest. I know you've definitely seen Sherlock Gnomes. I'm Get joking. Away from me. I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, let me see. No, I know you've not seen C for Zachariah. No. Uh, let me see. Salt with uh, Angela Jolie. I did watch that, but I don't remember it. <laughs> 2012. No. Jesus Christ. I didn't watch that. <laughs> don't worry. You're not missing shit. That's what I heard. Uh, oh, he's been a lot of great. Oh, um, oh, you've never seen Children of Men. Oh, I gotta show you that movie. That's such a damn good movie. Uh, four brothers yeah okay he was the gangster that like the brothers had to go up against mark Wahlberg and entree 2000 and like tyrese gibson had to go up against yeah i don't remember oh my god <laughs> i <laughs> only remember the brothers <laughs> this is why we do the show folks <laughs> for moments <laughs> like these um i'm surprised you brought that one up because you hate that movie i'm not I, I, that's not i'm not bleh. I don't like that movie. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm looking forward to this because I love that. I love that movie. I think it's a great film. And I know, like, I sat down. I you and I sat down and watched it, and you're just like, I didn't really like it. Which oh, the men who fell to earth. I didn't, but it mm. did have parts of it that I did like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like I, I was kind of bored because mm. I didn't really understand a lot of it. Yeah. Um, which I know that's kind of how he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, David Bowie, I guess, but like. Mm. There was something interesting about it in like, a, I don't know, like a visual sense or mm-hmm. like, like it was so weird. I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. So I didn't hate the film, but I didn't really enjoy myself either. Yeah. And Bowie has like a, when he was uh, still around, he had a strong connection with that story because he eventually turned that story into a play, which is called Lazarus mm-hmm. that stars uh, Michael C. Hall as, as the main character. Mm. So there's some, there, there is something about it because people are still, other than Bowie, there are other people who, who have been attracted to this story as well about an alien who lands on earth and try to like find a source of water for his planet and tries to get back and like, doesn't and stuff like that. Yeah. The thing is, I remember I, I, it's not the story I had a problem with. I mm-hmm. think it was just the direction. Like, I didn't have a problem with Bowie either. Yeah, it's, it's one of those really, like, artsy-fartsy types of films. It wasn't, like, yeah, the pacing was real bad. Yeah, yeah. That was huh. it. Well, I'm looking forward to this. And whether you're not, you can go fuck No, off. I am. But I think you're more <laughs> interested and uh. excited about this so that when uh, 
Chiwetel Ijefor's face pops across <laughs> the, ske- the screen. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, look, that's who I was talking about. Uh, yeah, and you would just be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so what else uh, happened in the news is that um, Jimmy Woo... Uh, X-Files style spinoff show already being pitched to Marvel. Um, so if you folks don't be spoiled, I, 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 there are people who still not, who have not watched WandaVision and they're like, oh, wait until every episode come out and then like stream them and shit like that. It's just like, no, like join us on this journey. But the Jimmy Woo can, character uh, Rand, played by Randall Park uh, came, uh, showed up in WandaVision um, and to the delight of Everybody who watched it was just like, yo, Jimmy Woo, the, that character's got to get his own show. And I'm really stoked about this, too, because I uh, I like I love Randall Park. Um, Kelsey and I have actually, we've actually seen him do like a table read once. Yeah. Like a couple years ago, and he was fucking hilarious. Um, so the viral idea of WandaVision spin off Jimmy Woo and style X-Files are being pitched to Marvel. Um, so... Uh, it's been a, like a lot of push on social media. There are several groups that Kelsey and I are in, and like whenever we talk about one division, people are just like, "Yo, Jimmy Woo needs to get his own show." Um, so uh, several ideas were tossed around between fans, but the most popular viral suggestion came from actor actor slash director Stephen Ford. He proposed like an X file style uh, show. He like tweeted about this, and it was a really great idea. Um, Randall Park has said that he's interested into doing the character. Um, uh, he told Screenwright he he would want to do an Agents of Atlas spinoff with Darcy, uh, Darcy Lewis, played by Kat Denning. Uh, I'm not familiar with Agent of Atlas, but I th- believe they they do the whole paranormal kind of thing as well. Mm. Um, Shang Ching and Legend of the Ten Rings star uh, Simu Liu said he wouldn't mind showing up as well as a cameo. And his character from from the comic covers I've seen, his character does show up in that storyline. Mm. Um, so yeah, so there's also rumors in the past that Marvel was already considering an Age of Atlas Disney Plus series. Um, yeah, I'd totally be down for this. Yeah, that sounds cool. And plus, maybe you'll get to see a little Jimmy Woo like he wanted. Like what? It's not a spoiler, but he's like, I want a little Jimmy Woo. Who said that Jimmy Woo? Yeah, like in the... In WandaVision? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a spoiler. That, that, yeah, that's not a spoiler. I'm just like... That that line is so like out there. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you, you pull that out of your ass. Yeah, you don't know what Wyatt's for. It looks like. Look, I only remember the important <laughs> stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. Apparently, that little line, yes. that little throwaway joke, is <laughs> like, let, me, let let that stick. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, is there anything else in the news? Are you done? We are done. All right, what do we got up next? We are going to do our recent review of Malcolm and Marie. You are by far the most excruciating, difficult, stubbornly obnoxious woman I've ever met in my entire life. I fucking love you. Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. But he's sweet, right? Well, I mean, yeah. When he's not being an emotional fucking terror. Oh. <laughs> I love the way you see the world, Marie. Mystery. The unknown. It's what supports the tension of a relationship. You're angry. No. The what if factor. Marie. 
Marine. What if there's someone who loved them better? The synopsis is a director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. Directed and written by Sam Levinson, it stars John David Washington and Zendaya. Mm-hmm. So we watched this. Mm-hmm. And it was a roller coaster ride. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Okay. Well, for me. <laughs> for you, I feel like it was, but you didn't recognize it. Because you pause it at a part and you're like, if they're doing, this is the problem I have with it. And then you find, you realize what they did after you push play. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, to be fair, I did say, or unless they do this. Oh, yeah. Well, no, unless they do something with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so go on. You said it was a roller coaster ride. It was a roller coaster ride. There's different things that they kind of bring up. Um, you know, there's a whole toxic relationship aspect. Mm-hmm. Um how people sometimes will get at each other but there's also like how uh, mental illness can affect a relationship there's Mm. how like i don't know like um how deeply you can love someone else Mm -hmm. there's maybe there's like there's like no reciprocation in that or there's like a reciprocation but like in a very different it's like the love language thing i know it Mm. sounds super corny but like There are people who who show their love by doing, mm-hmm. and they will never tell you they love you, but they just mm. show it to you. Yeah. And then there's someone who needs the like like I love you, and they like the sweetness and stuff. Yeah. But because the only the other person won't say it, mm. or like all they do is like do things, or like I can kind of get it, but like mm. that's not enough. So then they bounce. Like oh okay, I got you. You know, like there's different ways to show people you love them, but it's just what you prefer. To be shown to you too. Yeah, and I think this movie kind of like covers that, and and a lot of different angles when it um, when there are several uh, topics that are brought up in this um, in this movie. Um, yeah, like like Kelsey's Kelsey's right. It is a it is a real roller coaster. Like I know I I would I would have to guess that the roller coaster for you was pretty pretty extreme. Correct. Yeah, it was. Okay. Well, like for me, I, I recognize the roller coaster, but it's several times I was like, yeah, I've been through like these You've, fights. You recognized it on a personal level. Like, yeah. I've kind of been there. <laughs> I, and I think that, and it doesn't take anything away from the film. It's, it's, the writing is, I think the writing's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, Sam Levison is, you know, he's a, he's a damn good writer. There are several times where, because uh, this is the guy behind Euphoria that Kelsey and I have watched Euphoria, and I'm just like, "Fuck, I wish I could write like that." Granted, I'm not gonna be like up that guy's ass, you know. I, I there are some glaring issues with the movie that uh, become more apparent as like the story kind of progress. Um, but I feel like what this film covers, in a grander sense, is like communication, like mm-hmm. you had said about the love language and everything. Right. Um, and like communication can be key if you just sit down with your partner and be like yo i don't like this or like you know we, we need to talk about and this actually thing. listen yeah not just you know push them aside and be like no nah, you're just fucking lying yeah 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 uh so what did you think of the performance i mean there's only there's literally only two people in this movie so. i thought the performance was great mm-hmm. i could connect with both characters on so many different levels oh absolutely um 
And it's funny because I know there's controversy around this film because it's black people mm-hmm. and whatnot, but like, like they're de- they're black, but their issues are not just black. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a universal issue when it comes to your partner. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I could relate on the mental health issue thing, not mm-hmm. not the drug abuse thing, mm-hmm. but. Um, I like definitely can just relate on that or like mm. how, how quickly you can bounce back after someone is like, mm. you have a fight and you just want everything to be okay. I feel like, I feel like one part that you can, that you can relate to and correct me if I'm wrong. I think one part I feel like you can relate to is like being the person in the relationship and not being seen. Yeah. Cause like the, cause the, cause Marie kind of like, or she doesn't kind of, she like, she says that like in so many different ways that mm-hmm. I'm here, but you don't, you never notice me. And I know that can be like definitely like a killer in a relationship. Or, or, and it's happened to me before, but sometimes women kind of get it in their, their minds mm-hmm. and men don't do anything to really make it better. Yeah. But they see, you only see me as an object. Yeah. Like because, mm. you know, obviously she looks, amazing and obviously he's a man and they're in a relationship Mm. like there are times where just like in in any other regular relationship even though she's angry he's like i want to fuck you (laughs) you know like and it's like no like i'm trying to be serious with you like don't do that yeah yeah and there are plenty of times where There, there are plenty of times where I mean that yeah that does happen a lot in this movie where it's just like, it's it's kind of funny because how that John David Washington character Malcolm is like, you know he's like thinking about himself but he's like thinking about himself as like focus all the attention to me and here's my dick yeah I mean he doesn't do it in that like in that crass type of way but you can tell that's still in the back of his mind mm-hmm. um, there's even a scene where like this is not a spoiler at all or like. He's like, he sees the opportunity. He's like, good, I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. And then it gets like pulled back. And he's like, and he does this visible like, <sighs> <laughs> and I was just like, wow, I've been through that before. <laughs> like, that was like a, oh shit. <laughs> like fucking years of flashbacks of that shit happening yeah. to me. <laughs> um, yeah. And I want to, I'm going to echo what Kelsey said as far as like the performance go. I think the performance is fucking phenomenal. Um, this is a movie that I do believe that you can see both sides of their argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of times there were other films you like. You normally will pick like one side and just like stick with it. But I like how this one explores the idea of like they are both very imperfect people. They are both uh, highly toxic. But at the same time, they're kind of perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. Um and if you like come off, and this, I have a problem because I've heard people say like they take one side or the other, and, I, and that's not the point of the film. The point is to explore both sides. You know, like I said earlier, and, it, and that's the thing. If you only pick one side, that kind, I think that kind of speaks volumes of of who you are as a person. Um, kind of. I I, I agree with you like ninety eight percent. Oh, except for that last statement. N- um, no, not even that, but. Mm. And I'm not going to give the ending away, but mm. if you choose, if you can't pick a side at the very end of the film, mm. not to be angry at the other person, but just to to feel sympathy for the other one and mm. understand them, 
um, I feel like that that time it's okay. Oh, okay. Um, and I also feel like the, they both make really good points against each other, but they also take it too far at times. Mm-hmm. Both of them do, and that's why it's so good at like at bouncing back and forth. But yeah, at the end, mm-hmm. I really feel like you don't hate the other person, but you are definitely kind of siding a little bit more with one person. Oh, okay. I don't know if it was that way for you, but um, no, I didn't. I didn't see it like that. I saw it more as like, like I said, like they're both like. That's the thing. Like he has his, he has his faults, and she has his faults, and stuff like that. I'm sorry, he has his faults. Uh, Malcolm has his faults, and then uh, Marie has her faults as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, despite their differences and how they view things, they still see each other in the middle as like they both need each other. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But the point that one of them was making at the end. Mm-hmm. It finally made the other person break their stubbornness. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, that yeah. point was valid, mm. and that reaction was finally genuine. Oh, okay. And so you side with the person who was making the point just a little bit because mm, mm. that was a genuine... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you I don't, totally see what you're saying. But yeah. it's coming from a place of love and, like, oh, maybe yeah. a little bit of disappointment, and definitely they're not arguing. Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, I mean, I they're don't... kind of, like, there's an air, like, a little heavy air, but it's not, mm. like the fights they were having you <laughs> yeah. know it was definitely like it was winding down and you can feel that they let, still love each other yeah um yeah i totally okay i see what you're saying yeah i totally yeah. agree with that I totally agree with that um before we go into spoilers um you want to talk about a little bit of like this of the direction of the style and everything uh, the, di- <laughs> the direction was great <laughs> so there's a few times where um i'm not gonna lie Mm-hmm. I was I saw your DNA all over the John David <laughs> like all over Malcolm's like character uh, in in the way where you will get so manic about something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and how you can't quiet your mind mm-hmm. and you don't hear or feel anybody else in the room mm. except that you want to like share your joy or your knowledge or something with that person. So either you're completely like you go in and out mm-hmm. of recognizing someone else is there, mm. but like, like I really like, I don't know. There's something about that. That's I could connect with that because I'm like, mm. Oh, Mark is like that. Like, mm. and it, it's not, to me, it's not something bad. Like, yeah, not, not, in, not in the, um, not in the belligerent way that like the John David Washington character did, because like the the part that you're referring to, like the manic part, he like goes hard against like something. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking mm. about when they barely come into the apartment and oh, he's all hyped up. Yeah, I have known to do that. Yeah, like you get that way about comics or like like music. Like I remember a couple weeks ago, I was up until one o'clock in the morning while we were drinking wine or something, and you mm. were. You know, not even letting me listen to a full song. We were just going song after song after song, and we were going through different genres. And you're telling me about this. Like, <laughs> it was just went until one o'clock in the morning, and I did not stop you. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I was enjoying like, myself. I, yeah, I do get, in, I, I do get into that, especially like you, like Kelsey says, like comics or movies or like in this music. case music. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember. Let me see. I think I played you. 
um, DJ Shadow, Beastie Boys, and I can't remember the the uh, the rocker that I played. Fuck, I can't remember his fucking name. Um, but yeah, like, and alcohol, alcohol helps with that. <laughs> uh, but no, I guess you're saying, yeah, how the John David Washington character is like, um, like he has like a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I feel like his passion could sometimes be really, really misguided. I don't think it's misguided, mm. but as with anyone who has a lot of passion, there's a fine line between I'm passionate about something and I'm selfish with my time because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the people who can be like that sometimes I think are like, they get defensive and then that's when the, the arguments start. Because Ty, Ty Siegel. That's the guy. Oh yeah. Ty okay. Siegel. That's and I'm like, oh fuck, I like his music. Like, why didn't you take me to him? <laughs> um, so like, so there was a time where he got a little belligerent after mm. they were starting to argue a little bit. Yeah not having to do with any critics or anything, um, but something else. And he's just like, the pace kind of got loud and quick. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It was like, Marie, Marie, Marie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, oh, God, he's picking a fight. Like, mm-hmm. like I like how there was, it was like almost like camera tricks or like, you know, tricks with the sound or something like to like give you a sense of like, Oh, like, like urgency. Yeah, sure like if you were in that room, you're like, God, shut up. Like, yeah, leave me yeah. alone. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you're talking about um, near the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the funny thing. Like, when he does that, like, I mean, yeah, the, the visual style really gives that sense of urgency and stuff like that. And there are times where, like, where uh, I've, like, walked into a fight with somebody. Mm-hmm. And it actually plays out in my head like that. Like, or when I remember, I remember just me just going, like, saying that person's name over and over again. So I feel like Sam Levison has gotten into a lot of fights. And, like, <laughs> Probably. And he's just like, yeah, this is what I see. This is, like, how it's originally done. Because I, I, I've seen that before mm-hmm. in, in my own life. But as much as he's able to use the the fast paced or the louder moments, he's mm-hmm. able to use those quieter moments too. Like we were talking about mm-hmm. Marie in the tub. Yeah, yeah. There there are plenty of uh, scenes that kind of explore that. Um, like you can tell that's mm-hmm. and it, it lends to the actors too to their credibility. Mm-hmm. But they're much um, the fact that you don't need them to say anything and you can see it written all over their face and you can feel the tension mm-hmm. without anything being said mm-hmm. is like also part of what goes into how great of a director he is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So you just want to hop in the spoiler section? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for the folks um, who have seen Malcolm and Marie, we're going to get to the spoiler section and talk about the movie in great detail. Uh, going to make sure I got the volume up right. <laughs> Um, so for those who have not seen Malcolm and the Marie, Malcolm and the Marie, God, I, you know why, you know why that pops in my head? Cause I keep thinking of Malcolm in the middle. I don't oh. know why. <laughs> totally different. Whole and I keep thing. getting distracted by the fact that Marie is my middle name. <laughs> I should just start calling you Marie now. No. Don't. No. Um, anyway, so if you have not seen Malcolm and Marie and you don't want to be spoiled, you want to skip over, uh, here's your spoiler bumper right about now.
Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the quiet, so the quieter moments. So the quieter moments. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, mm. if we're going to talk about the quieter moments, we're going to talk about how when they come into the apartment, he's at like an eleven. Oh, you mean the house, right? The house. Yeah, sorry. Mm. He's at like an eleven. Mm-hmm. And she just seems like cool as a cucumber. She doesn't really look angry, mm-hmm. but she's definitely not celebrating with him. Yeah. Like she's making him macaroni and cheese, but she's not with him. Yeah. She seems like she's already like kind of done with the night. Not like frustratingly done. Like I'm just out, but like, just like, all right, this night's over. Let's go to bed. Yeah. Mm. And because she's not celebrating with him. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And he won't leave it alone. But she, like, she wants to be quiet because she doesn't want it to turn into a fight. Yeah. Um, and I've done that before. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't matter if I'm in a relationship with someone or if I'm just friends with someone or someone in my family. I get like that because I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to tell you how I feel or mm. you're obviously having a good time and you deserve that good time. Mm. And I don't want to fuck it up for you, even if my points are valid. Yeah. So let me just take myself out of it. Yeah. And, I, and I've been guilty of, like, pushing people, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Any, I think any guy or any, 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 um, I, I would say any guy or any, any person, clueless person, whatever, in the relationship has, has done that. Um, to kind Sometimes of it's like, okay, right? Like, I, like, mm-hmm. I would want to know. That someone cares enough about how I feel to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're out doing something, mm-hmm. they're like, it's not the time and place. Yeah. And like, I mean, and I, I don't want to say like, I've done this exactly like to you, Kelsey. Like there have been times where like something's bothered you and I have kind of like pushed you. Not not so much anymore now, but back mm-hmm. then I used to be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, what's wrong? You uh-huh. know? And and the and the funny thing was I would get upset because I was just like you're not fucking telling me, right? You know, which is the same thing that like Malcolm did where he was getting upset because she wouldn't tell him. Mm-hmm. And you have told me before you're just like I just can't verbalize it right now. It's just yeah. like you know, like I, I I can pick something. And then it's the thing I would pick something, <laughs> uh, and then you'd be like, why do you care so much about your <laughs> office? Why do you care so much about what this person thinks about you? It's like, I don't know. Like you told me to tell you. That's what's on my mind right now. Know. And I know it's wrong. <laughs> um, so there's, there's another, there's another really great quiet moment in this, in this movie. This, you know, goes to with the direction, um, which, which I, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the performance. Um, but I think like the thing that stick out to me the most is the quiet moments. It's the, mm-hmm. the moments we're able to like, let's see their action. Uh, and also see. digest, right? Exactly. That's another thing that this movie does. That's really great. Like this movie could have just been like, talk, 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 talk all the way. But there are like these really finer moments where like, like there's no dialogue between the two and you just see their action. And that allows uh, myself or any other person who watched this is just like, okay, let me just digest that huge ass fight they got into. And mm-hmm. let me like see which part I agree with or don't agree with, or mm-hmm. let's see where it goes from here, which I, I love that. That's the one thing I always enjoy about certain films where like, like I hate films that just kind of like just hit you over the head, like super duper fast and give you no time to like stop, you know? And like, well, I stop. thought you like those films because David Lynch is like that. Or is it David Fincher? No, 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 no. See David Fincher, uh, David Fincher, he does do that, but he does take breaks. 
there have been Aaron Sorkin write like writes like that, doesn't he? He does do that, and sometimes his writing does annoy me because I'm just like, all right, dude, you're not you're not letting me to you're not allowing me to stop and hear what the other person is saying because it just feels like it just goes on but to the like next. You like the Social Network because David Fincher knows how to go. Hey, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like. You know, like the Chicago 7, like, Kelsey and I, like, really dug it. But there are parts I was just like, all right, Sorkin, slow the fuck down. Yeah, He's yeah. like, let's, the, let's, it was let's cool lot. it. Let's cool it. Let's fucking cool it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, what was the movie we did? The Oliver Stone film, JFK? Mm-hmm. When they're just, like, just throwing all this data at you. You're like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I checked out. I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, but one, one, one quiet moment in the movie that I thought was really great was when... Um, Zendaya and John Davison, uh, um, sorry, let me refer to them by their characters. Malcolm and Marie are obviously they're arguing, but it seems like Marie is more arguing with Malcolm, and then Malcolm kind of like, um, oh, now I remember it's that part where like they're it's it like what like Marie is like coming at Malcolm about um, like why why didn't he give her the audition? Oh, that's more later in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, and, and like they're going at it, and it's the point where like they're almost like I got a feeling like they're about to go to blows, or mm-hmm. they're about to come to blows, right? And then and then Marie just goes like, "Why well, I just fucking hate you," and he's like, "I hate you," and they're like, "Ah, ah!" Like yelling at each other. <laughs> like that part I loved. And then when she like steps away, takes smokes a cigarette, and like, oh, I'm gonna sit next to him and play this song. That shit was so. It was so well crafted. Because I felt that Marie had taken a moment and go, oh, shit, I came off too fucking hard this time. And she was even trying to, like, not placate, but, like, try to, like. I think you're getting the film a mm-hmm. little backwards. Mm-hmm. The the part where she was coming at him about the audition mm-hmm. was later in the film. Mm-hmm. It was earlier in the film when she came out and sat next to him mm. and was playing a song for him. Okay. Well, that's it. Because it was after the bathtub scene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. That scene. So, yeah. They're like sitting down and she's trying to, you know, be a little bit nicer to him or just trying, not necessarily be nicer, but like to, um, what's it called? Release some of the tension that's yeah. in the air, mm-hmm. you know, by being playful somewhat and everything. And he just is like not cooling down at all. Yeah. Which I think it was like a reflection of the fight they had earlier where, um, where like, he's like, okay, let me try to like, let me try to be playful and let me try to cool down the tension. And she's just like not having it at all. Mm. So it was kind of like they were, their roles had like switched within like a matter of like, I don't know, 15 minutes. Yeah. And you're getting like both, uh, both perspectives, but I thought was really well. Yeah. I really like that too. Um, it's funny because you kind of get like her side where I, I really like how subtle the, the issues are mm-hmm. and then how deep some of them are. Oh yeah. So like, I like how deep the issue, I mean, how subtle the issues are where she just feels like he takes her for granted. Mm-hmm. And he probably does. Like, you get a sense. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, like, he enjoys having her around. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But everything he does, he views as his, even if she's involved. Yeah. Um, And it's a little closed-minded and a little selfish. Mm -hmm. And she just wants to be recognized. Like, Mm -hmm. if if I'm going to be in your life, don't just treat me like an addict that Mm -hmm. you saved. Like, Yeah, or don't treat me like the secretary, you know, who, like, 
picks up the groceries and does your laundry and shit like that. Yeah, like, why don't you treat me like I'm, I matter to you? Like, I have a place in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that kind of resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also for him, it's like, it's really hard to hear from somebody else that the work that you do mm-hmm. is not your own. Like, yeah. like it could be your idea or whatever, mm. and you don't want somebody else stepping on it saying, no, that's also mine. Like, mm, yeah. like it's hard to share because, like, it, it doesn't feel natural to, like, hand it over unless it was, like, that intentional, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, and, like, like Marie points it out that, like, this is, like, in a way it was, like, a collaborative effort. And she was able to, like, see that, like, from the jump. Mm-hmm. And he, my guess is, like, Malcolm, like, lost it along the way to the point where he was just, like, he was almost, like, making up. Not only making up, but he was almost, like, trying to pick reasons why the character is not based off of the Marie character. Mm-hmm. The, sorry, the character in his film that he wrote and he put, you know, within this movie is not based off the Marie character. You know, like, how he's going down the list of, like... You know, uh, you know the lead walks this way. Well, that's this ex girlfriend, or the way how she talks. Well, this that's this ex girlfriend. Or you're talking about like this? Oh, something she said. Well, I said that to my dad. You know, kind of stuff. And there are efforts where I mean, there are times where um, that is very sound, mm-hmm. but that doesn't negate like where it started or mm-hmm. where it came from. Right. You know, um, which I. <sighs> Which is like funny because like Kelsey and I were talking about we talked about this movie like a good hour after yeah. like watching it. Yeah. And there's a part where like um where like the where Marie is saying like why didn't you allow me to get the why didn't you audition me for mm-hmm. like the lead role? Like I would have like made the role I would have like made your movie better and stuff like that. And I remember Kelsey and I had said well, about like, oh like it would have been a collaborative effort, but it it would have like fell. Yeah, because it would have looked like favoritism or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Also, because it's hard, especially for how their relationship works, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. because he would have been telling her how to behave, and she's like, "Well, this was my life." Yeah. So why are you telling me to behave? Yeah. Like it, this way. Yeah, I think that if that had happened, that would have been a a, a much louder display of like who owns this story. You yeah. know, is it the guy who put it down on paper and just picked parts of it? Or is it the person that, like, there's, like, an original source from it? Mm-hmm. Um, which, now I think about it, shit, this this movie can just be talk about, like, collaboration. If you really think about it. Yeah. No, I saw <laughs> I saw that all over it, too. Yeah, yeah. Because there were parts that I picked out, too. Like, like, she said that in the beginning when they were working together, they were really working together. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, that got lost. Yeah. And I feel like we do that sometimes, too. Like, yeah, you'll start working on something, and then, like, you'll draw me in, and I'm like, yeah, we're writing partners, and then you just stop talking yeah. to me about it. And I know it's not my fault. I'm not, I don't feel that way. Mm. But it definitely doesn't feel good, either. Yeah, it's, like, all, it's I, all Mark's fault. <laughs> yeah, you're a dick. <laughs> um, so, it kind of brought up that point where mm. you're like, yeah, I can see his point, that if she really wanted it badly enough... She could have auditioned. Yeah. And I'm like, no, because you want the other person to want you to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, if they don't, like, if you're emotionally invested, if they don't want you there, mm. like, or if they don't want it enough, then you don't want to be there. Mm. 
So then you're like, yeah, 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 I get you. Yeah. Hey, hey, I was able to admit it. <laughs> I like the Malcolm character was unable to fucking see his faults. Um, so, okay, do you want to talk about this Guardian article? Yeah. That we read? Okay, so um, obviously if you're in the spoiler section, you're aware of that part, the part of the movie where Malcolm just goes off on like on a critic who uh, reviewed his his film that he considers like a masterpiece mm-hmm. and everything. He goes on this long ass rant that I have done myself multiple times on multiple topics. Um, so uh, this uh, critic by the name of Robert Daniels uh, wrote an article saying how using a black actor to vent white frustration sinks Malcolm and Marie, which already totally disagree with that. That headline that was like, what? I know, right? So uh, I'm going to read like excerpts, excerpts from it. Um, it's, at one point, uh, uh, the writer wrote, uh, directed by Sam Levison, um, the creator of Euphoria and son of and son of Barry Levison, the black and white melodrama Mark Marie, now on Netflix, initially has good intentions defending black art, but Le- Levison begins posting his gripes to Malcolm, a black man, hit, a black man, his sincere aims uh, trend toward being selfishly malice or malicious. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, goes further, further on. Um, at one point, the uh, Daniels writes, uh, "His outlook bellies the opinion that genre needn't decide whether a creation uh, should be analyzed or uh, should be analyzed seriously." Okay, so already the critic is already analyzing the movie seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, the critic is doing the thing. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> that Malcolm was he's criticizing <laughs> Malcolm for. Yeah, yeah. Um, he brings up an example by saying, uh, for example, "Come to America," starring Eddie Murphy, is an irreverent com- uh, comedy about a royal travel about a royal traveling from uh, his fictional country of Zamunda to Queens, New York, so he might find uh, his bride. It would be foolhardy to not see how the film also worships black excellence or the dream of an American kingdom uh, unaffected by slavery. Okay. I've seen Come to America like a thousand times. I love the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yet I have never thought of it critically other than like, this is a damn good film and I just love seeing this movie because this is like black excellence. You yeah. Know? Um, so it's weird he pulls that example out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like, shit, okay, man. Um, so this is what he said. Uh, another point. He said, if Levinson only used Malcolm to um, extra, sorry, extricate extricate uh, white critical blind spots concerning uh, interpreting the volume of black art through a white lens, Malcolm Marie would be a fresh dose of truth serum. Uh, Levinson, a white director, which kind of fucks me up. It's like, why are you pointing out the director's white? Like, you don't need to put that in your article. And it also negates your whole issue. Yeah. Uh, who uses Malcolm as a black shield for his real target, not the critics who analyze black words, but those who interpret his. So it seems like he took one portion of that of that rant that Malcolm did and hearkened as like, oh, this is just about him. He just manipulated it to make him fit his own agenda or whatever. Yeah, and it's like it's interesting because like um Levinson has said because there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy and it's mainly from critics who are just like this film like takes a dump on critics 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 itself right or there's an age problem or mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah um so 
uh, uh, this is from the uh, Esquire UK. Levinson responded, no, uh, okay. When Esquire UK asked if he had any worries about making Mount Marie as a white man, Levinson responded, no, because I have faith in the collaborative process and in my partners that if I write something that doesn't feel true, uh, that JD, John David Washington, or Z Zendaya doesn't respond to it or feel to be honest, uh, feel, feel to be honest that they are going to say something and we'll work it out. I didn't have anxieties in that sense because I have too much respect for the collaborative nature of filmmaking. So And so mm. putting ourselves in that situation, mm. yeah. we talked about that too. Mm. Because there are times there are plenty of times where we've discussed black film on this podcast. Yeah. And there are times where I'm like, I don't want to say the wrong thing because I'm white. Like like I understand what's going on and mm. how people feel, but I I know I don't hundred percent get it. So, yeah. like, sometimes I feel like even though he was kind of wrong in what he was saying, he was also kind of right, the character mm. was. And I, that's why, I like, if I had to put pen to paper, it would not be for a black film because I would feel like mm. people would be like, why is this white girl reviewing this film? <laughs> yeah. And, but on the podcast, it's different because mm. you can ground me in that sense. Or I can ground you about women's issues or yeah absolutely different things and help you see things a different way yeah so like it's like um let me see when so so that article from what i read that was from indie wire uh the title of the article was um uh sam levinson response to malcolm malcolm marie criticism age gap writing black characters and more that article came out in february uh six um, I'm trying to find out if Robert Daniels has heard, seen or read this article, or he might have. Um, the Malcolm and Marie article written by uh, Robert Daniels came out the day prior. Mm. So, I don't know. I just find it interesting that like this dude is looking at this film and then, like focusing on that as like the bigger issue that is discussed in this entire movie. I mean, granted, this is not a full review, but it's just like... Dude, you picked like a, and he like he does rant for like what I could like ten minutes like that that whole dialogue about the the film critic, mm-hmm. um, it's about like what ten minutes or something like that. Yeah. Okay, but it seems to take away the larger issue of the movie, which is relationships and a collaborative effort. Yeah. Be, you know between partners, and it's funny because Sam Levinson Sam Levinson is just like. He pretty much said, like, yo, if they didn't feel comfortable with it, we worked through it. So therefore, um, John Deborah Washington, which he doesn't come off as anybody's punk. No. That he's just like, if I don't agree with it, I'm not going to do it. But obviously. He didn't, obviously, he didn't start acting until he was 29, according to what he was saying about Zendaya having more experience than mm, him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's 36. He says he's only been in the business for seven years. Yeah. And... Um. And yeah, so Levinson, um, let me see. I'm trying to find another quote. Oh, uh, okay. So Levinson says, Levinson said in the um, uh, uh, sorry, Esquire UK interview, he said Levinson may have, may have so screenplay credit, but Malcolm Marie was a collaborative experience, and nothing made it to the screenplay that wasn't cleared by the actors, as the director said in an independent interview. Um, there's certain things that I'm not going to get. 100% right about what it feels to be a black creative but what I can do is write what feels true to the character and have faith in collaborative process of filmmaking I have to ask if would the same thing be said if it was a white guy 
or or, or let's say a female, white female. No, because it would just be pretentious if it was white because we've seen that before. Yeah. That's like like citizen citizen Kane on a very scaled back level. Yeah. And I mean Kelsey and I are critics ourselves and straight up some of the shit that uh that that the Malcolm character said is ain't fucking far from the truth. It's not. Like he went about it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's like you can't be mad at him for saying it because it's like telling a woman to smile more, right? <laughs> yeah. Like if you're telling him that he's wrong or he, you know, he shouldn't say that because mm-hmm. she was trying to be nice. Mm-hmm. Like, no, if he's going to be mad about it, let him be mad about it. But at the end of the day, she was trying to say something positive and she is a white lady and mm-hmm. she didn't say the right thing. She like fumbled that all the fuck up. You're talking about the film critic. Right? The film the, critic. Yeah, yeah. The film critic within the movie. Yeah. The, the unnamed film critic that that Robert Daniels actually name checks. Yeah. He's like, oh, it must be this film critic who talked about shit about Sam Levinson's prior film. Like, yo, dude, he like left that. He didn't put any name. You're the one who put a face on it now. Yeah. So I think, you know, the fact that he, he's talking about this, it's like, it's an actual issue. Like mm-hmm. there are white people out there and I'm sure I've done it too, mm-hmm. where you're just like, Oh yeah, like that—that that feels real. Mm-hmm. How would I know? Like I only yeah. know what I feel, but uh, like, like I feel like I have a pretty good sense. But yeah, there are lots of white people out there, and I know it happens where they're like, "Oh yeah, this is authentic" or whatever. They make yeah, it this very is, this is true. This is how life is and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and they make it political. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a black film because it has black people in it, mm-hmm. and it's just black people. But like. If you want to make it political about, well, you know, it's a, a black guy talking about, a, you know, white critic or whatever. Mm-hmm. That wasn't his intention. It's just something that comes up in actual black people talk. Yeah. Like it happens. I've seen it time and time again when we're in the one group when it's like a lot of black people. Yeah. And it's like something that's true. So obviously this white guy got advice from other people. Yeah. Like, you can't say that he was venting his own frustration through a black character. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think that, I think that, like, the, I think the, the, the frust, not the, not the frustration from the, from Sam Levison, from, from, sorry, Sam Levison, but the frustration from the Malcolm character, I think he obviously had to tweak it to, like, better reflect the char- the person that he cast, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you couldn't have, like, a white guy complain about how people, how critics look at black film. It's like, dude, who, like, like, why are you saying this, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I could say it, and mm-hmm. I've seen it before. Like, I see the issues, mm-hmm. but I can't verbalize it the way a black person could. Because yeah. it's not going to be the first thing that comes to my mind, because mm-hmm. it's not something that I, like, it doesn't affect me the way it does black people. Yeah. So, uh, there's no way he could have written that authentically like yeah. i know he hates the word authentic but there's no way <laughs> he could have written that authentically without the help of maybe john david washington yeah and like what the character said it's like i said it's nothing new it's like this is something that has been constantly like brought up in like film and like media and like interviews how um certain creatives directors writers they're just like yo the critics don't fucking get it mm-hmm. you know and it's that's the thing like I like I enjoy reading film criticism and even like 
some type of like uh, analyzing a, a type of show or movie or something like that mm -hmm. but i normally like to come at it like after i've already kind of like looked at it in one view mm -hmm. and then i hear somebody else's opinion on it and i'm like okay cool i didn't see it like that yeah you know which i think is like i think that's like the point of art is to not to have one single like minded view on something it's mm -hmm. always to have multiple thoughts on it oh sorry it's always it's always it's there to have multiple views so you can open up a discussion mm -hmm. and not just like they said this so fuck them you yeah, know, it like devalues what the fuck you know they said because I it it took an attack on me. Yeah, which I felt like some critics are like, oh, he attacked me. He didn't name check any of you. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it brought to mind Mother. Remember Mother? Oh God, oh, I that movie. So I really need to revisit that movie. That movie. I so love that great. movie, but a lot of people hated that movie, mm -hmm. and a lot of critics shit on that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just thinking if black people were in that movie and black people created that movie, what kind of shit would be said about the scenes where they're like obviously in like a third world country? Mm, yeah. Um, let me see. I want to see what was the, the Rotten Tomato review on Mother. Uh, yeah, because I remember like a lot of there was like a lot of people who hated it. Okay. Because they so, didn't know how to market it. Yeah, so it's like 68% the tomato reader, so that's critics. And then, like, over 10,000 ratings, it's like a 51%. <laughs> and I think and I think this is one of those movies that it's a fucking thinker. Yeah, you gotta really think of them. A lot of people don't like thinking when it comes to movies. Yeah, Mother's like a straight-up thinker. Like, how I think Malcolm and Marie is a straight-up thinker. Like, you know... Um, like, I, I, get, I walked away from this, from Malcolm and Marie thinking, like, okay, this is a movie about, like... Um, relationships and like the toxic nature of relationship like the push and pull um, but some people might view it as like a collaborative effort like between two partners on, on, on a business deal or some shit like that you know? I definitely didn't think about it as toxic mm -hmm. but I more thought about it as um, people not understanding each other mm. like at all okay yeah um, and wanting to be heard. They both wanted to be heard. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely wrong. So, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Punch in the face. Um, I mean, yeah, but all in all, I mean, I really like this movie. I thought, it was, I thought it was really great. I think the style of it looked really cool to like the black and white, uh, the the fact that it's black and white and there were some great shots yeah there were and then we're like oh fuck we gotta visit the stall house. We gotta go visit this house even though it's five hours away. Yeah. Um, one thing that sticks out, like, is in, like, style, how it looks is, like, the part where Zendaya, like, uh, uh, comes back from the tree from, like, using the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And, like, just the way it was, like, lit up. And then, like, how the light kind of, like, uh, was broken through by the branches and stuff like that. I mm -hmm. thought that was fucking phenomenal. I really liked that. The tree looked really interesting in black and white. But I also <laughs> really liked that scene where she was, like, I went outside to take a piss. He's, like, why? You could have used the bathroom. <laughs> What, no. what was her response? It was something so fucking funny, though. I can't remember. I'm not used to having a bathroom. Yes, but it was like played. Like, she, yeah, she's like, I'm not used to having a bathroom. We grew up poor. Yeah, but it was like played up for laughs or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that. I like how it's like a guy would be like, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. I did not feel like pissing in the bathroom. <laughs> like... I wanted to go off and be somewhere else. Like, I don't know. It makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I can totally see why it would make sense. Because she's just like, I need to step away from this. Well, it's also like, like, I sleep in my bed every single night. 
Mm-hmm. There are times where I'm like, I want to go get a hotel room so I can sleep somewhere different because I, I can't sleep in my bed tonight. Like, I just yeah. can't. It's like if I'm too bothered, something mm. as mundane as going to the bathroom in the bathroom mm. is like, I want to be out outside. I want to feel alone, like <laughs> actually alone. Yeah. I've never done that before. What I'm saying, like I totally mm. like I don't know why that made so much sense to me. No, I'll I'll, I'll totally agree with you because I've done that before. Where like I slept in the same bed for a number of days or months or whatever, and I'm just like I'm gonna sleep on the couch. Yeah, and I'm just and I sleep on the couch for like weeks. Or and, I used to do that as a kid. I would be like I'm gonna sleep on the floor. Yeah, I'm gonna sleep under the bed. <laughs> You're weird. I <laughs> I had a bedroom. When I was living with my mom in the last apartment she had when she lived in Connecticut before she moved to Pennsylvania, mm. there was a huge-ass closet in the apartment, and I had a bed in there. And I loved it because it was in the closet. <laughs> You're weird. I know. <laughs> um, damn, we've been on it for a while. <laughs> is there, is there anything, <laughs> we had a lot to say about this movie, obviously, but, I mean, a lot need to be said. Um, is there anything else we want to cover? Are we ready to jump into the next one? Um, we are ready to talk about the next one. All right, what's that? We are doing our variety time. So we just did obscure and obscene, yeah, you know, this week. Mark, Mark's very proud of himself for that song. Well, I mean, because you're like Variety Time. Like, no, we're doing Obscure. obscure well, you wrote Variety Time. Well, I didn't change it. I'm talking in I time. Know. You know. My God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, damn, I love that track. We're, like, we're on this ride and we're not getting off. So <laughs> yeah. whatever the fuck happens, yeah. happens. You're buckled down, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's the... What's the uh, What's the obscure and obscene film that we watched? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Obscene and obscure. Sorry. Ricky. Well, okay. It's Ricky O, but actually when they say his name, it's Ricky Hope. Uh, okay. Uh, the Story of Ricky. It came out in 1991. I could have swore it was a lot fucking older than that. It looks <laughs> no. way older. Now, I remember 90s, 90s films being of that, that look. It looks like it's from the 70s. <laughs> Shit. Yep. Um, the synopsis is a young man with superhuman strength is incarcerated at a prison run by corrupt officials and seeks to use his martial arts to clean up the system. <laughs> Directed by Nai Choi Lam, written by Nai Choi Lam, mm-hmm. and based on the manga by Masahiko Tagajo mm. and Tetsuya Saru uh, Watari. Saru Watari. Um, Watari. um this movie's wow it's bonkers i i remember i remember seeing um seeing like a cut of this movie on youtube but just like all like the crazy action that happens in it Mm -hmm. and then there was like um someone had did like a music video for it or some shit or made a song about the movie and it was just like ricky yo really yeah i was like what the hell is this so we found this movie on um if you folks what are you looking for (laughs) oh you gotta plug it in you were talking and i was like let me try not to make a lot of noise while i need my laptop plugged in i there's no plugs available 
Okay. Well, my laptop's going to die, so. Oh, okay. Uh, it's cool if it does anyway. Well, here. Yeah. You can use that. Is it going to fit? That we'll find out. <laughs> Next time on If It'll Fit Kelsey's Laptop. No. No. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um. Anyway. So you said that you heard about a song uh, that was singing about this this thing, about this movie? Yeah. Um, what's that plugged into? This laptop. Okay. <laughs> All right, give me the cord. Give me the cord for your laptop. Wait, this is, this no, is the, I don't. I dropped it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's some behind-the-scenes shit we're doing, folks. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, Riccio... Um, it's like super violent. It's like super. It's funny because they try to make it like really futuristic and shit. Oh yeah, it takes place in the distant future of two thousand and one, <laughs> when they privatized the jail system and turned it into a franchise. And we're like, That's yeah, so, that happened in the nineties. I know already. that was so far fetched. Wow, <laughs> who would think that would happen? <laughs> Um, but when, but when I was referring to it as like the violence, it's like comical, like cheap violence and shit like that. Yeah. Um, like they like the character, the character Ricky, um, you know, you know, he's, he's fresh meat. He's fresh meat for a lot of these, these badass criminals and stuff like that. And they try to like punk him and shit. So what does he do? He just like punches a hole into the stomach mm. and his guts just fall out and shit. But even like that. guts, it's just blood. Yeah. Just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just falls out. Um, and some of the like some of the costume designs or like the the uh, the practical effects are like cheaply made, but um, like they're like all are. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like you gotta. It's funny because like this movie, like this this movie is based off of a manga, but they did an anime of this movie that came out like the, if I remember correctly, the year prior. And this movie played like it's trying to be an anime. Okay, well it's funny because I think we need to watch it. The anime. Yeah, yeah. Because I showed it to my kids. <laughs> All right. When you, <laughs> I remember, I remember we got done watching this movie, and you were like, "I want to show this to my kids." I was like, "Ah, that's kind of funny." Yeah, you want to do that, and you did it. And I was, and my, I didn't tell you, but my brain was like, "My God, why did you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, Cameron's like, "Ah, oh, too much blood." I'm uh-huh. like, "It's fake, like clearly fake." Cadence mm-hmm. is like, "I kind of liked it, <laughs> but I think it would be a great anime." <laughs> she like she really like recognized that right yeah, away yeah um so it kind of like it plays out like if power rangers just said fuck it and just like <laughs> cut off limbs and like punch holes in people's heads and shit like that mm. um but even like some of the special effects it's kind of like out of, out of nowhere or happens out of nowhere like there's one character that um, like gets, I think he gets like uppercut or like thrown, and as he's like falling head first, Ricky like punches him in the face, mm. and it's like bam, X-ray bones breaking, <laughs> and like falling down. You know, Caden thought that was hilarious. That shit was hilarious, and I found, and I don't know how true it is, but supposedly that's where the people behind Mortal Kombat got that idea. Really? For the X-ray like uh, brutality and stuff like that that happens in the game. <laughs> that's funny. Um. Oh, and the performance! Holy shit! Cheesy, fucking, unbelievably cheesy. Look, this guy is supposed to be mm. the strongest, like 
like a superhuman strength. Yeah. But mostly he's really good at punching the air. He's like, look at me, uncle. I'm showing up for you. Hey, look. It's like when, my, when I take my kids to the pool, like, mom, look what I can do. Look what I can do. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> and he's doing the same thing in, in a graveyard. Mm-hmm. Like just punching the air and kicking the air. Like, yeah. And his uncle's like, yeah, you got so much stronger. And I'm like, the fuck is this? This guy's like... <laughs> 20 something like 25 years old showing off for his uncle i know well that's the thing like he the character uh if i remember the actor uh su young fan who plays rikio um i think at the time they made this he was 25 26 Mm. but clearly he's supposed to be maybe 16 17 years old which (laughs) is like yo dude you you got a license and a mortgage you're working on your mortgage right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so the brutality just doesn't come from Riccio. Um, there are a number of scenes where, like, I'm sorry, the obs- the obs- the obscenity of some of the stuff is like the fact that the warden um, or the the award- the assistant warden, whose character's name is Cyclops Dan, um, <laughs> he has, and there's a reason why he's called Cyclops Dan. He has one eye. Um, there is a shot of his room, and you see his his very you know, prominent, prominent and carefully laid out porno collection, just like lining the show, just there. And there's no, there's no mention of it. There's no reason for it. It's just, you just see, you're just like, why is he a porn in his room? Like what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. In his office. Yeah. Um, Oh, you, why does he have so much food too? Like, I don't understand. Like, like, I understand having too much food. I don't mm. understand having an entire spread like it's like medieval times and it's all for you. I think that goes to the anime, the anime aspect of the story oh, because yeah. that's to- that's a total anime move. Like, yeah. it's supposed to show like um, uh, this person has a lot of influence and a lot of power because look at all the fucking food he has and yeah. shit like that. Uh, you want to talk about like the head warden? What happened to him when he transformed? <laughs> Well, first, mm-hmm. you see a picture of his forearms, mm-hmm. and then his arms start shaking a little bit, and his arms start growing. In, like, a horrible, like, fake fashion. Like, you can tell, yeah. like, they're styrofoam arms or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, like, if you had a Mr. Stretchy or Mr. Bendy or whatever he was called. Oh, uh, Stretch Armstrong? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then he starts growing mm-hmm. and, like... He ends up with like a troll head or some shit. Like he turns into like a six foot ten troll. <laughs> yeah, that was Cadence's favorite part. Oh, <laughs> but it was totally a guy in a rubber suit because he's fighting and his mm. belly's jiggling because it's not his belly; it's yeah. the rubber suit just you know waving around because uh, it doesn't fit the guy. Yeah, I think I, th- <laughs> I think the shit that like caught me by surprise i mean other than like that whole action because i remember when you were watching you were like just cracking up when that the whole transformation happened Mm -hmm. but there was like one part where um rikio remembered like the lessons from his i guess it was like his uncle Mm -hmm. had said like um said like some power that's supposed to like grow inside of him Mm -hmm. and apparently it's like his chi but they didn't call it his chi yeah they called it something else but apparently like the warden like has that had that training as well but he was just able to like bring that power into like a physical manifestation manifestation of like a six foot ten troll (laughs) (laughs) um my only like 
my only like real complaint i mean like i said this movie's not good it's bad but like bad for like all the good reasons yeah um my only like complaint about that is like i wish that that's supposed to be like the epic boss battle i wish it was like a little bit longer that's like the only thing i had to complain about <laughs> i feel like that fight should have went on for like five more minutes or something yeah i agree with that um i noticed what? something after when i was re-watching it with uh, my kids uh-huh you know, there's like a scene where the gu- the the other prisoners are told to go outside and start digging, mm-hmm. and like Riccio is just out there. Mm-hmm. There's something going on in the yard, but they're all just randomly like, hey, pointing, like pointing, <laughs> pointing, and I don't know what what are they doing. It's like they're talking, but they do this not. This is not the only time they've done it. Like mm-hmm. towards the end, mm-hmm. they do it again. Like I I need to show it to you because it's like something that I I saw uh, when I rewatched it. I I think it was uh I have I have to I would have to guess that the director was like everybody in the background just do whatever. Yeah, look like you're pointing you know talking yeah. about something and they're yeah. all like randomly like pointing at different times and I'm like, but it, there's no looks on their face. It's uh, just like point. Like non. Uh, what's it called? Like uh, apathetic. The yeah. Apathetic look. Yeah. Um. Oh, one thing I just remembered that was just so, so fucking funny was... The leaf? No, not the leaf. Um, when uh, they were like, the characters have like buried Riccio and there's a dog. <laughs> and like one of the bad guys, one of like the mid-level bosses pops up and just kicks the dog <laughs> into oblivion. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck was that? What did that dog do to him? <laughs> I like how they put the the breathing tube down for the mm-hmm, guy mm-hmm. for Riccio, but yeah. it wasn't near his mouth in any way, shape, or form. It was just yeah. stuck in the dirt, and they hadn't covered his head yet. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, it's a <laughs> joke. They, I think they took like the dog's liver and like dropped it down. The oh, f- it was like his heart. Yeah, they dropped it down the breathing tube, and Riccio just like <laughs> just put it in his mouth. <laughs> um so one of the guys one of the prisoners loses his tongue oh they've chopped off his tongue that looks so nasty it looked bad (laughs) um and he's like all upset because he's trying to i figured out why the leaf is played like a flute Mm -hmm. for plot Oh, okay, okay. Because if you didn't have a leaf that sounded like... It was just a regular leaf. Mm-hmm. The, and Riccio plays it like a flute. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have that, then it wouldn't explain the village idiot showing him the, the opium leaves. Like the oh, poppy leaves. yeah, yeah. Because he's like, oh, I have leaves too. The leaf is there for plot. That's fucking That's funny. Totally. And I just came up with that right now. <laughs> the, the Him doing that thing with the leaf. I've, uh-huh. Once again, I've seen that done before in anime. I don't know how true it is if people can actually do that now. I've never seen it in real life. That is, but yeah, no, you're, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not negating what you said. You're totally right. You're totally right. But I'm just pointing that it's another like anime trope. Mm-hmm. That it is like, oh, let's put it in a live action movie. No, I've actually gotten the longer pieces of grass. Oh, okay. And you put it in between your thumbs. Your mm. thumbs have like a little like a little space between them. Yeah, and you blow oh. like the the blade of grass in between and it, it makes more like a buzzing sound. I think I've seen people do that. Yeah. I have seen that. But it's not a flute for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just like a very loud sound. Yeah, he would he would blow the leaf and it'd be like. You swear he had like an ocarina on him or some shit. (laughs) But a synth ocarina. (laughs) Tell him the eighties. Yeah, this film. I mean, it's honestly, it's a fucking blast to watch this movie. Uh, I do. I unfortunately like there is a sequel to this movie. Um, I think it's called like it, I think the it's called it's like the unofficial sequel. It's called like Super Strongman or something like that. Mm. But it is it it does star uh, Su Young Fan as Rikio. But they, um, you know, what, let me find it real quick. It's so weird because like I the that video is on YouTube, um, but there's like no subtitles. Oh, like whatsoever. I want to find out what what's it called. I think it's called like. Uh, let me see. Takes place in twenty. Uh, let me see. Oh, no, I can't find it now. <laughs> it does. It, I, I know I've seen it somewhere. Okay, well, let me tell you a few of the ridiculous things that I've seen in this film. Mm-hmm. The, one of the very first things that I saw was this bus that sounds like a Honda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That cracked me up. The fact that they get to the prison and they let them in and they're still driving uh-huh. and they go through a building and then they're outside again mm. and then they finally go inside another building and mm. they drive the prisoners right up to the jail cells. Mm. Like, it was like, why did you drive for so long? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is what it is. Okay, it was alleged that a sequel title, um, Dick, <laughs> Dent King Inside King, aka Story of Ricky 2 or Super Powerful Man, was released in Hong Kong in 2005. Though the plot does not follow the events that supposedly occur after Ricky breaks out of prison and is set in the distant future as opposed to t- uh, 2001 in the first film. The film was never released in the United States or in Europe, but is available on DVD without English subtitles. Um, Oddly, the possibility due to right issue. Oddly, due to the possibility of rice issue, the film was built as a standalone project despite casting Fan uh, Fan Su Su Wong in the title role, sporting the camouflage poncho seen in the flashbacks in the manga. Hmm. Um, I watched like a few minutes of this, and I was like, "Yo, this movie sucks," <laughs> <laughs> and it's bad too. It's like cheaply made. There's like no fighting. It's well, because 2005, it's going to have the shitty 2005 feel. The movies were not very good in 2005. As opposed to the 1991 shitty 70s Yeah, because that stuff, you can have a cult following behind. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I like this is a great film. Y'all y'all need to like find this movie. Uh, we found it on... 2B TV. 2B TV. Streaming on 2B TV for free uh, You just have ads. to deal with the ads. This is to deal with the ads. And they're not much of an issue. Trust me, like when those ads come up, you're like, Whew, let me take a break from this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's totally great. Everybody should go check it out. Yes. is Before Sunrise. All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. 
Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today, and we're looking for something fun to do. Sprechen Sie English? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, we speak German for a change. Now I'm going to call my best friend in Paris, who I'm supposed to have lunch with in eight hours. Okay? Okay. Uh, oh, hello. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it for lunch today. I'm sorry. I met a guy on the train and I got off with him in Vienna. We're still there. Are you crazy? Probably. He has beautiful blue eyes, nice pink lips, frizzy hair. <laughs> I love it. I like to feel his eyes on me when I look away. You couldn't possibly know why a night like this is so important to my life right now. But it is. Since we're never going to see each other again, I don't think we should sleep together. Let's see each other again. I don't want you to break our vow. Just so you can get laid. <laughs> uh, this movie came out in 1995. And the synopsis is a young man and woman meet on a train in, in Europe and wind up spending one evening together in Vienna. Unfortunately, both know that this will probably be their only night together. Directed by Richard Linklater, also written by him and Kim Krizan. It stars Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Yeah. You never saw this movie. I, I have, uh, sadly, I have not seen this movie before uh, we decided to do it for the podcast. Um, it was still in its wrapping, like when you bought the box set. Yeah, yeah, I had bought the boxes box set of this uh, through the Criterion Collection. It's in on um, in a Blu Ray format. Um, the thing about it is, like, I I really like Richard Linklater's work. Uh, Days of Confuse, uh, Boyhood, A Scanner Darkly, uh, Waking Life. I really love. Oh, um, Slacker. That's like that was like his indie film that got him on the map. Um, so I really, I really do enjoy his work. However, the reason why I had actually been avoiding Before Sunrise is because, um, like, like I, I was like I never, I never thought to get, I never thought to watch Before Sunrise. And then before, uh, I'm trying to remember the. I always get, I always get the. Uh, Is I it always, before midnight? I think it's like before midnight. It's the next one. Um, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight. Um, I had kind of like just avoided those movies like altogether because I was like, okay, you know what? If I'm gonna watch one, I have to watch the other two like back to back. You know, mm-hmm. because. Um, I want to see these characters grow, you know, and before sunrise, before sunset and before midnight, they take place in different times. Like I think like before sunset takes place like nine years after before sunrise. Um, so that's why I like was like kind of avoiding it. Um, however, um, I really like the fact that we finally did sit down and watch this movie. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and take the lead. I really like this movie. I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see why, um, why people like love the Before Sunrise movie? As a matter of fact, some people call like the what they're called the Before trilogy. They call it like the perfect trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, Not the Cornetto trilogy. <sighs> Even the World's End has some serious issues with it. Uh, <laughs> I know, it was just a joke. I know, I know. Uh, but Kelsey, what did you what did you think of Before Sunrise? I honestly thought I wasn't gonna like it because, mm. like, I just have an aversion to things that come off 
rom com in any way. Yeah, or too hokey or some shit. Yeah, like, I don't want to watch people be in love because mm-hmm. I'm kind of stilted on it, mm. you know? Um, but it was actually interesting because it was very conversational. So I actually really like the whole journey that this film took me on because it wasn't really about them. Mm. It wasn't about them being like liking each other. It was just about them spending time together. Yeah. Like you would, you could with anybody really mm. um, like anyone you really don't know that well. Yeah. And like this movie, you know, it's, uh, it's like, you know, kind of like our, the film we just reviewed, Malcolm and Marie, where it's just two people just like talking. Um, this one's like less fighting, a lot <laughs> less fighting. Um, but yeah, it really explores the idea of like, what if you just met some per- met someone and just had a conversation with them for like the whole day? What, what would come out? What would be revealed? You know, mm-hmm. would like how a- honest would you be with them, or could you be honest? Exactly. You know, knowing the fact that like you may never ever see this person again. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had this idea of of people like like whenever i go out if i'm like just out and about do my do my errands or my thing or whatever um there are times where i'll just the thought will pop in my head like let's say i walk into a store and i'll go you know i'll probably never ever see these people ever ever again Mm -hmm. you know other than like maybe like the people who work there and that's their place of employment yeah but like there might be somebody there might be a lady with a kid who's picking up like you know a carton of milk or something like that and mm-hmm. i just look at him i'm like i'll never see that person again but like what kind of stories does that person have there's like a million stories out there um what would that person's stories be right. and this movie kind of like to me this movie kind of explores that these are two random folks who are on uh different paths in their lives on different part of the country who just happen to meet in the middle mm-hmm. and it is like they just explore each other completely yeah um I like that it's not all rainbows and sunshine at every moment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because he's pretty um, cynical. Uh, Ethan Hawke character, right, Jesse? Yeah. Mm. And um, Celine is actually, like, really optimistic and thoughtful. Or even if she's not optimistic, like, she just has, like, a way of thinking about things that you know, you couldn't really feel anything about it. You're just like, I wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of clash in certain ways, mm-hmm. uh, but not all the time. Most of the time they're like getting along. Yeah. Um, wh- like I'm trying to remember one question. Like there's one question, not one question. Um, one thing in particular is when uh, Ethan Hawke is talking about his upbringing and they're talking about, uh, Okay, and I remember because I, I believe Celine brings up a conversation about um, people who stay in marriages and who like don't love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ethan Hawke had brought up that like him and his mom, uh, mom and dad were arguing, and that like the mom had told Ethan uh, the Jesse character at a young age, he was like, "Your dad didn't want you," mm. you know. And he said that kind of like shifted his whole perspective on life. Like everybody's like full of shit. Or that he actually didn't belong. Yeah, he didn't have a sense of being of belonging. Um, but you know, they explore uh, more with his family about how they stayed together for the sake of the children, but really, like they were incredibly miserable. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Selena has kind of like a different outlook at that. Like, oh, like not that like people stay together because they have to, but like they stay together that they when they love because they love each other and. That if they don't, then they'll find like an amicable way—not so much of an amicable way of ending things, but it will die off, mm-hmm. like in its own way. Yeah, you know, 
Um, which is funny because you kind of know that one person is actually more right than the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, she kind of has a more optimistic view of things. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's kind of refreshing um, most of the time. Mm. In the same way, like, I kind of found his cynicism a little grating at times. Like, there were times where I was just like, dude, shut up. I think that's a very 90s thing. Like, of that time. Like, that cynicism, cynicism like, on film. It did film. feel 90s. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, the film is like super fucking 90s. But yeah, mm. he's wearing like jeans with like a, a t-shirt and a leather jacket. Yeah, and she has a plaid shirt tied around her waist. <laughs> yeah, they're going to a Nirvana concert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you think of the uh, the performance from, from our two leads? I actually enjoyed it. Like, mm. I thought it was great because, you know... The chemistry was real. Like, it was palpable. Yeah. You could see in his eyes how much he really liked her. Yeah. Um, And you almost... Like, I really wondered if they had an off-screen relationship. Uh, Probably. I mean... I I haven't seen anything that said, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. So... I didn't go looking it up, but, like, Mm. it's just that that performance was so good, it made me wonder. Yeah. Um, So, most of the script was rewritten by uh Julia Depley and is it Depley or it's Depley, right? Delpy. Delpy, thank you. But I don't know um, if I'm saying that right either. <laughs> we'll we'll go with you because you're normally right. <laughs> um but yeah, it was re- rewritten by her and Ethan Hawke. So, and from from what I uh, for, so some of it was like I said it was mainly oh sorry, it was rewritten by the two, but from what I read there was a lot of um improvising. Mm. But with dialogue and some of those some of those dialogues i mean you can tell between like bad improvising good improvising or genuine improvising yeah and there was a lot of genuine improvising between the two like they were almost just being playful with each other which is like seems like it would be about two would fit well for two people who are kind of like falling in love with each other like over time yeah or like they would probably want to improvise those scenes where they're talking to each other about stuff Mm -hmm. that happened in their lives or they're just hanging out with each other because that could seem really fake. Oh yeah. So like you could almost talk about yourself Mm -hmm. like as this character. Yeah. And like not really give too much away, Mm. but it would still be like genuine feeling. Do you think that, do you think the role of Celine would have worked out well if it was a play by Gwyneth Paltrow? I don't know how she was when she was younger, but probably not. I don't think so either, because she seemed like she would. She seemed like she would be confused by the script. I'm, and I was saying that she's dumb, but she would just be like, "What was my character's motivation? What exactly am I supposed to say?" You know, it, it feels like she wouldn't be good at, you know, making it sound genuine. Yeah. Um, what about Jennifer Aniston? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Look. I love her father, but I don't like her. Do, do, do you want to get into why you don't like her? or? Um, She seems like one of the fakest people in the world. Mm. Like, I don't know. I just don't. I haven't seen her act in anything that made me really amazed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The, my latest impression of her is in a fitness commercial. Uh, for like that smart water, right? I think so. 
let me point. To, okay, so from what I heard, Jennifer Aniston is really good in the morning show. I didn't even know she was on the morning show. <laughs> she did a movie. Oh, was it? De- oh, God, not derail. That was a bad movie. Um, she did a movie. I watched. I watched that movie. Dera- derailed. Yeah. Oh man, it that, was bad. That movie was so bad. <laughs> uh, she did a movie. Is it called? Correct. The Good Girl. This independent film from 2002 called The Good Girl. Mm-hmm. She turns out to be a bitch in that movie. And I'm just like, I feel like that's the that's the realest she's ever been. I think, wasn't she in like, I feel like she was in RV, but I'm probably getting that mixed up. Uh, she was the, in. With, with, with uh, Robin Williams? Yeah, but I think there was another movie that was mostly in an RV then or something. But she was in it. Oh, she did a lot of like rom coms like The Bounty Hunter, Burning Love. Oh yeah, she's in Horrible Bosses, that's right. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. Okay. Anyway, so back to the movie. Um, so I mean, lucky for us, um, those two weren't cast, but it did take Richard Linkletter like nine months to get the casting perfect. Yeah. Um, I think I read somewhere that like he he thought about getting Ethan Hawke, but didn't know if he could, and or didn't know if he should. And then there was a perform. What? Sorry, no, no, sorry. Um, but he said he saw a performance. Um, okay. Um, that she. Uh, I'm oh, sorry. That Linkletter saw a performance by Ethan Hawke like at a theater, and he was just like, "Boom! That's that's the Jesse character." I wonder where he saw Celine from because she never really popped up anywhere it, it just, else. I know it doesn't say she's she's been a bunch of other stuff, but it doesn't exactly say where like he chose her. I guess it was something about her that was authentic enough that he was like, I gotta get her to play Celine. Mm. Well, um, I haven't. I'm saying I haven't seen her. Like, oh, okay. Like anything before or after? Yeah, especially like she didn't make it in America. I don't think. Um, she's been that in, that strongly. Yeah, she's been in a number of films. I just I'm um, obviously none of them can come off the top of my head. Um. So, okay, so what about the uh, the direction? I thought the direction was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like they probably have hours and hours and hours of film of them just walking through the city, mm-hmm. talking. And yeah. I think it feels like the director just wanted to let them be themselves or play things out mm-hmm. so that they could you know like make this film like i feel like that was his intent was Mm -hmm. to get two genuine people Mm. on film and and that was it like and i'm I'm sure that's how he did it yeah the movie is about like an hour and 41 minutes i wouldn't be surprised if there's like a three-hour cut of this movie yeah of them just having like really super deep conversations about anything and everything Mm. um there's that part i really do enjoy in this movie where they're they have gotten a bottle of wine and a couple glasses and they're laying down in the in the park just kind of enjoying the night sky with each other Mm -hmm. um and like i think any other director would have played this as like oh they're gonna have sex to like express their love or something like that and they like selena like Men- sorry yeah Celine mentions about like uh mentions about having sex with ethan hawk and everything but she like it's just like i don't want to just be like some french girl that you just banged you know yeah and he comes off as totally understanding like 
like they see eye to eye in that right there like oh we don't have to express our love through sex we can just do it by just being with each other passionately yeah but i thought was like really great it didn't it didn't have to go that route to express their love yeah um i have to ask you what do you think about that touching moment at the end where they were like um okay we get we'll come back here uh a year, no, five years, and they're like, no, a year. They're like, oh no, six months. You know, we're gonna come back to this station and we're gonna just meet each other. And but they're like, no phone calls or anything. We'll just be here. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that scene? I like that scene. I thought it mm. that that seems like something they would do. Mm-hmm. Um, because like it is true about like long distance things, and then things get they cool down. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I really was, like, on the edge of my seat, I think. Really? Yeah, like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> are they going to change their mind? Or, like, I'm I'm glad that it didn't end with one of them deciding to give up everything for the other. Because mm-hmm. that's so fucking corny. Yeah, that would have been too Hollywood-ish. Too Hollywood, uh, happy ending kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that scene was... It, it's funny because, like, you've been... You know, while you're watching this movie, you're getting, like, this buildup of, like, this really intense moment, right? And it kind of, like, it does, it, it does this thing where it, it doesn't tease you. It just kind of, like, lets you warm up to it. Mm. And you're so involved, or me personally, I was so involved with the characters that at no point I was like, oh, yeah, they got to split up eventually. Because I was just, like, just following them this entire time. Yeah. But when that moment came when, like, they had to split, it was like, oh, that's right. Holy shit. Like, how are they going to deal with this, you know? Yeah. And I would and you know, and the fact that like they didn't they didn't drag it out, you know. There were a couple of times where Celine had said um she would like kind of mention that like oh we're you know tomorrow we won't see each other or something like that or we'll have to split, but like they don't they don't hearken on it. They're just like one cuz you can always tell that it's it's always in the back of their mind. Mm-hmm. But they're so involved with each other that it never becomes um like a driving point. In yeah. this conversation that they have. Which I really like. And there mm. was a point, too, where he was even like, I don't want to say, you know, she was like, I don't want to have to say goodbye to you, mm. you know, tomorrow. And yeah. he was like, we'll say it right now. Bye. <laughs> yeah. He's like, later. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I have a. So uh, Link Letter has said this during an interview. Um, oh, okay, actually. Okay, so, Okay. One thing I didn't know about this, and this is from IMDb, so I don't know how true this is, but I'll just take it from there. Um, so the idea came from Richard Linklater, who has spent the day walking around Philadelphia with a woman named Amy. Um, he was so touched by this that, uh, well, he says, so contrary to the movie, they stayed in touch for a while until the contact was lost. Uh, Linklater never heard from her again, not even when he became a director and Before Sunrise was released. It was not until 20... 2010 that he found out that amy had died in a track traffic accident accident before the release of the first film in, in the trilogy that's kind of heartbreaking yeah it is um yeah i got i might be floored by that but like oh my god the person who inspired me to do this movie is no longer with with us oh i, I don't know I, would, I think that would have like really fucked me up it would have but honestly like <laughs> i don't know why but my brain was like it's not more tragic than keanu reeves story though Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know why. This popped in your head out of nowhere. <laughs> that really affects me. Yeah, that is a really sad story. Yeah. Um. So Linkladder, uh, 
He said this during an interview on Jesse and Celine seeing each other uh, again. He said, I always said that the movie was a litmus test for how we view romance or how you view romance. Uh, he told this, uh, he did this interview during the, sorry, he did this interview during 2004 with the New York Times. Um, he goes on to say, some people would go, it's so clear they will never get back together. People were so sure. He said the viewer's interpretation depends on the romantic, on their romantic history. Apparently, Delpy, uh, Linklater, and Hawk are romantics. They knew Celine and Jesse would come back together. So, I'll have to ask you. With, let's take out the knowledge of before sunset and before sunrise. I mean, before uh, midnight and before sunset. Let's just mm-hmm. throw that out. Okay. Those movies are not do, do not exist in our mind. Do you think these characters did get back together? I think... I think in my mind when I was actually watching the movie Mm -hmm. i was already getting disappointed because i felt like he would try and she (laughs) would forget Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't do it on the right days Mm -hmm. so like they wouldn't meet up because they would miss each other like Mm. something like that like it's so hard because they didn't exchange anything Mm -hmm. so how would they know that they actually like are on the like on the same level yeah mm. like how would they know that like if he m- tried to meet up with her that they did it at the right time like mm. this train mm. they i mean it would be hard for them because they they didn't want to exchange phone numbers because mm. it would be too hard not to call each other mm-hmm. but almost at the same time i would wish that they did so they would know like okay i can at least call you and verify what train mm. i'm going to be on so so do you think they wouldn't have they wouldn't have found each other be because by accident, like because oh. of logistics. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Just taking the romance out of it. Like well, logistics speaking, they're not going to meet up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's say. Let's. Okay. Then I gotta. I gotta. I gotta expand on it. Okay. Let's say they have a date. When they're going to meet at a specific time, let's say we'll meet on this date in six months um, between the hours of 12 and four. Uh huh. <laughs> I just like your logic and thinking. <laughs> do you think that they would have, do you think like they would have found each other? Or you think, do you think they would have met each other again? Like actually made the effort to do it? No. No. <laughs> I think he would have. Okay. I think she would have slowly forgotten the feeling. Okay. Maybe I'm projecting. <laughs> I did. Well, that's the. That's, I mean, he's like I said. Linklater said this is like a litmus litmus test. Um, God, I just like your logic and thinking that like they probably would have just got yeah, the schedules mixed up. But the thing. <laughs> But the thing is, they really didn't give too much. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to meet, like, yeah, on this day in six months. Like, yeah, this pla- they said, like, that particular platform. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> is he going to get there at midnight and wait until 11.59? Oh, my God. Like- <laughs> okay, so you ask myself that question what if he goes to get lunch and she comes off the train and she doesn't see him and she's like well he didn't show up oh my god what if he goes to take a piss <laughs> or what if just hear me out what if if they found each other on that date you think that they would find no, each other? No, 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 no. Let's just say, let's let's say, 
let's let's turn the question on me. Let's say if um they exchange if they exchange if they synchronize their watches. <laughs> And they're going to meet on that platform six months, you know, and Do you really think this is funny? I think, because I, I love your logic. I like how your logic mind just kicked in. <laughs> Didn't let the, you're, you're like, so fuck Hollywood. You're just like, logically speaking, no. <laughs> um, do I think that they would have found it, that, that they both would have met or found each other on, like on the day they would have yeah. said um, I think he would have went, but I think she would have moved on. That's what I was saying. I know, I know. I just, so I'm going with you. But, it, but it's just like the steps we had to get to to be like, okay, Kelsey, what if? <laughs> oh, shit. What if not in the real world, but in Hollywood? Like on the set, would. Oh, my God. <laughs> if it's Hollywood, they're going to meet. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna, it's going to be super dramatic and shit like that. <laughs> That's what but, I think. I think he was really into her, and I think mm-hmm. she she was, but mm-hmm. she would have moved on. Yeah, I think she would have moved on too. I mean, and I know, and I know that that probably like contradicts the character, um, and that probably contradicts the character that the that Selena's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't know something about something about it just tells me that like she would have she would have found love elsewhere. Like she, because like I know Ethan Hawke says it at. Uh, when he like convinces her to like leave the train like hey let's say one day you're older and you know you're with a man that you're married and you're just like what if i just went with that guy and stuff like that i think like eventually she would have been like well i had that what if i experienced it and i'm gonna go ahead and move on i don't think it's as logical as that i think it's Mm -hmm. what i got from both of them was Mm -hmm. he was clearly into her at every single turn of the entire night Mm -hmm. and she was insecure Mm. Like she was sure of herself as a person, but she mm. wasn't sure about how he viewed her. Ah, okay. And she she okay. brought that up a few times mm. where she was like, "I wasn't sure. Like you didn't, I you didn't say that you wanted to meet me again, even mm. though we made this pact that we weren't going to." Like, yeah. so she didn't further that at all. She waited for him to make the first mm. move, and if she's gonna be that insecure, mm. then she's not gonna, you know, synchronize her watch. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's gonna synchronize her watch, and then like it's gonna like break, and she'll be like, "Oh, whatever." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's never gonna fix. <laughs> um, God, I love your answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the the question, you know, we always and we always ask at the end of the podcast is, "Does it still hold up?" Yes. Um, I I do agree. I think it still holds up. Um, why why do you think it still holds up? Because it makes me miss conversations I would have mm. with certain people. Yeah. Like, that I, I guess I still have sometimes. But, yeah. like, uh, you get that nostalgic feeling, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, this film kind of makes me, like... Miss those times. Miss those times. But also, like, in a mm. happy sense, not, like, in a sad sense. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Because, like, a lot, of, a lot of things now are, like, rush, 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 go, go, go. Like, even, like, in texting format, you know... There's a lot of abbreviation when it comes to texting or just like uh, quick and straight to the point and stuff like that, which I understand that, you know, everybody's busy. But it seems like the the idea of having a conversation, an interesting conversation with a person, it seems to be like lacking now. Mm-hmm. You know, people, are, they want to just say something and not have a discussion about it. They just want to have their point made and then like drop the topic. Yeah. And this movie, um, like I said, it does, a whole, it, it, it does something where it's like, let's just hear these two people talk, see what they got to say. Yeah, it's like, you know. When we're done watching a movie and we just talk and talk and talk forever. 
Yeah, exactly. That's them. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, without the relationship stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or like this podcast, you know, we've been talking for almost like two hours now. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, God, shut the fuck I up. I know. We spent about two hours talking about movies where people talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still think it holds up because it's, it's one is, it's realistic. It's super realistic. It's not, it's not Holly. I mean, it's an indie film. It has premiered in Sundance. It was like a huge hit. Um, but it doesn't really fall into like typical like tropes of like Hollywood, which you'd be like, oh, they're going to be together and happy, blah, 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 live happily ever after. I mean, granted, like there are there are sequels, but like those sequels happen like nine years later. I am disappointed by one thing. Hmm. There's a scene where they listen to a record mm-hmm. in like a listening booth. Mm-hmm. And they they were like, well, let's just pop it in and see if I like it. Because my friend said, you know, that she likes it. Mm-hmm. And so they put the record on and it was so quiet. And they kept looking at each other like side-eyed to like not be noticed that they were looking at each other. Mm-hmm. I really wanted her to look at him and be like, yeah, I hate this record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this song sucks. <laughs> This is the logical mind of Kelsey. Just kick it in. It sucks. Look, I have a very logical brain. Okay? You do, yeah. I mean, if they didn't, if they didn't synchronize their watches, they would have been fucked. Um, Look, I yeah. like, you know, it's probably got cold at night, too, with them in the park. She didn't even take that sweater off oh, to I cover know. up or anything. She still left it tied around her waist. I know. And he had, like, his jacket. He probably didn't give it to her to cover no. herself. What an asshole. I can see why she won't be, She won't come back. She's like, I had a great day with a guy. I was going to meet him again, but he did not give me his jacket when it was fucking cold. I know. Like, he didn't even have money for a hotel. Like I know. Cheap bastard. I know. Fucking <laughs> broke dick man. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Sorry, that song came up in my head all of a sudden. <laughs> you ever heard that one? I believe I believe I have. It sounds very familiar. <laughs> my mom used to play it. <laughs> How old were you when she played that song? Ten. Yeah, totally makes sense. Play that song around a ten-year-old. Totally <laughs> makes sense. Um, is that it? Is there anything else? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. So that gets, that's going to be it for our show for this week's well, week, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, you can find this episode and all our past episodes on all podcast catchers, uh, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Amazon. Verbal. Verbal, that's right. Uh, iTunes and such. Uh, pretty much anywhere you can you download your podcast. Um, next week's episode, uh, it's going to be a good one. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um uh, me too. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh shit, I could see why he wants to see this. Yeah. So we are going to be reviewing, uh, our recent review is going to be Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, the Warner Brothers uh, studio film uh, that is streaming on HBO Max on February 12th, uh, starring uh, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, with that, our geriatric cinematic will be uh, Malcolm X. Uh, which is also streaming on HBO Max. I believe it's also available to rent on um, Apple Apple TV, Google Play, and YouTube um, if you don't have HBO Max. Uh, The topic, I left it blank. I have no idea what the topic is going to (laughs) be. But uh, I'm I'm sure it's going to be a a good topic. You know, black power? Uh, That's too cliche. Okay. <laughs> it's about black power. Yeah, it is. But that's too cliche. That's too easy. I'm going to make it hard. Whatever. 
just like a just like a real man. A real man. Um, <laughs> God, that logical answer is so fucking hilarious. You're gonna be on that for days. I am. My God, it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. I just. This is why I love talking to Kelsey because she has like these answers. Is like, you know, that makes sense, but that's not the right answer. <laughs> answer <laughs> oh god okay now so, i know what you really think of me oh, you sh- think i'm stupid oh shut up <laughs> um so yeah we're gonna bid you guys adieu um wash your hands wear your mask you know uh hopefully by the end of the year we'll be heading back to the theaters again um but before i uh before we leave you all um give you guys a nice little story um, everybody's first day in high school kind of like, kind of dictates what's going to happen to them for the rest of their, their school years, you know, from, uh, freshman to senior year. Um, so it was my first day of school and it was kind of a nightmare. I was just like, what is all this shit? It was, I don't know. It was just like a lot of new people. It was just all over the place. I was so confused. It was just horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, so when I came home uh, later that day, uh, my mother was there. She was like, well, Mark, how, how, was, how was your first day of school? She actually asked you how your school day was? She asked me how my school day was. I'm surprised. I know. <laughs> um, so I looked at her, and I had just seen uh, Before Sunrise, even though I had seen it only like a week ago. But I had just seen Before Sunrise. <laughs> For the sake of this, I had just seen Before Sunrise. You saw it three days ago. I know, I know. <laughs> but for the, for the purpose of this story... <laughs> Uh, for plot yeah for plot um i had just seen before sunrise because i looked at her and i said it's awful it's like a sociological experiment <laughs>